0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Permanente Docs chat. I'm your host, Alex McDonald. Uh, again, I practice family and sports medicine here in Fontana, California, and I'm part of the Southern California Permanente Medical Group. So thanks all for, for joining in or tuning our first, uh, episode here of 2023 from wherever you may be watching or listening. Uh, be sure to check out the Permanente Medicine YouTube page or wherever you get your podcast to listen to this or past episodes as well too. Um, I am very excited, uh, for our first guest this year. Uh, Dr. Fontana Mitchell is an OBGYN doctor from the Southeast Permanente Medical Group, and in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. holiday on Monday, we'll be discussing the career and the challenges of our Black physician colleagues and also how this impacts health equity as well too. So I'm really proud. We, for the first time ever, actually, uh, Martin Luther King um, uh, Jr. birthday is actually a holiday here at KP, um, so I'm very excited. So um, if you're listening live, you have questions, feel free to drop them in the chat, you uh, put them in the, uh, the Q&A and we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, so so uh, Dr. Fonda Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us. Let's just jump right in. Um, uh, keep, t- tell us who you are and, and what you do.
1: Hey, Alex. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I am an OBGYN with the Southeast Permanente Medical Group. And I have been with Permanente now for 21 years. And they have been a very, very fun filled um, 21 years, a lot of challenges, but uh, things are great here in Georgia. I am the physician director for our government relations program, as well I function as an elected board rep for uh, TSPMG.
0: Great. So uh, we have lots of things to talk about. Uh, Many of you know that I'm a a, a passionate about government relations and and health policy. So we could always touch on that, too, as well. Um, But I want to I I want to hear more about your your story and how you how you end up uh, with a career in medicine.
1: So I am the product of two science teachers. And so science has always come. I wouldn't say easily, but it's been something that I've had a strong affinity towards. And so as I kind of looked at career paths, education, um, medicine, research, those things you know, really were top of mind. And I had the opportunity while I was in college to shadow a physician in our local community who happened to be an OBGYN. Mm. So I was able to work with him a little bit in his office and accompany him on rounds in the hospital and observe some of the surgeries, minor procedures, as well as um, accompany him doing some of the delivery. So I really, really enjoyed the aspect of the care that he provided. It really wasn't until I got to medical school that I decided that I too wanted to be an OBGYN, but, um, that was my introduction to medicine and it's made, you know, a a great impact in my career choice and, and how things have proceeded so far.
0: Excellent. Very nice. Well, can you, can you share some of the challenges you, you, you experienced as, as a black female physician? Um, and, and also what are some of these challenges that, that still exist today for, for our black physician colleagues?
1: So I'll tell you a little bit about my entree into uh, making a medical school choice. Mm -hmm. So I am a graduate of the University of Georgia, and many of the graduates there either went to the Medical College of Georgia or Emory University for medical school. Mm -hmm. So as I applied to medical school, I was accepted at um, MCG, but then I kind of thought about Did I do myself a good service in applying to different medical colleges that could probably better serve my needs or help me better serve a different patient population, Mm -hmm. an underserved patient population? So I included in my application um, uh, a program for Morehouse School of Medicine. So I was accepted there Mm -hmm. and it is a nice little microcosm that kind of, gives you exposure to uh, a diverse uh, uh, academic um, background, it gives you a group of colleagues that um, are diverse as well too, culturally, as well as geographically around the state of Georgia. So it made it very nice a nice little cocoon to have as you struggle through different aspects of, you know, the challenges of becoming a physician. Mm -hmm. And so many of my colleagues, we still practice here in Metro Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And as well too, we continue that mission of the medical school to provide care to the underserved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now we, we know that that patients have better health outcomes when their physician looks like them, speaks the same language, has the same kind of cultural background as well. And, you know, we, we are, how do I put this? Like we we don't have enough physicians in this country uh, who who can relate to some of our Black patients, our Black community as well, too. What types of things do you think we can do to sort of improve the pipeline and encourage and support um, our our younger individuals to go into medicine who maybe don't necessarily see someone uh, who looks like them in, in a career in medicine?
1: So when we look at the population of physicians across the nation, you know, Atlanta looks very different. There is a large professional uh, population of uh, minorities where there are nurses and, and health care providers and physicians. And so when we're here, we don't really see as much of that where you don't have the, the people who, who kind of represent you right. out there. So Mm -hmm. it looks a little different here. But when you go out to other conferences or other regions, you know, things do look a little different. And and sometimes we take for granted that our medical group here has a large proportion of black physicians. So we um, spend as much time as we can with our patients. We try to help them understand that, you know, we are here for them, that things can sometimes be a little challenging and, and make sure that they understand that they have someone that they can communicate with. You know, there are different aspects of the things that we do that can make things um, a little, a little challenging. So in Georgia, you know, we discussed earlier that there is a, Significant maternity morbidity uh, challenge here as we take care of our patients. So one thing that comes up more often than not lately is as a Black female OBGYN, you know, I take care of a lot of moms who have critical needs. And when you walk into a room, you know, it's almost like this big sigh of relief, that you are there, that you're going to take care of them, and that they're going to have a healthy, happy outcome. Mm -hmm. On the opposite of that, you feel that their concerns are, if you are not there, that there's going to not be as healthy Mm -hmm. an outcome. So you want to ensure the patients that, you know, I have colleagues that are wonderful, who are going to take great care of you, and, and we're going to do the best as a team to provide your care.
0: Yeah. Does I mean does that lead to more stress on our our black physician colleagues who feel like they need to show up more or they need to go above and beyond and does that increase the risk of, of burnout amongst uh, those those physicians as well? Tell me tell me more about this.
1: You know, so it can be there can be a lot of pressure with that. There can be a lot of challenges that are there because the patients feel like, you know, their well-being, their life their child's um, health is in your hands. So that pressure is there to kind of stay and make sure everything has a good outcome. And sometimes we, we know, sometimes you do all the right things and unfortunately some bad outcomes can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our current practice here in um, the Metro Atlanta areas, you know, we take call in shifts. So when your shift is over, if the patient is undelivered, you know, there can sometimes be that expectation that, but of course you're going to stay, but of course you're going to continue to be here to take care of me through the, you know, through the birth of the baby. I am very fortunate that I work with a wonderful team of physicians and a very a diverse group of physicians and midwives that provide excellent care. So between all of us, we try to let our patients know that, you know, we're going to be there for you. And I think, you know, when we have these conversations that I'm transitioning you to a partner, and a lot of the times it's even better if that partner happens to be another Black female, either my midwifery colleague or another physician colleague, you know, that you can make the patient continue to feel comfortable, but, uh, they, you know, they need to feel comfortable with all of us, but yeah, there's a time when that burden is a little extra when a patient's, you know, have certain expectations of the care that they're going to get and, and not that they shouldn't have expectations.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. I like that word mid- midwifery. I like just try saying that five times fast. <laughs> um, anyway, I digress. Uh, what are, you know, I'm, I'm a white male um, and I have no idea what it's like to be a black physician. Um, can you, what are, what are some things that, that myself and my other colleagues can do to, to be an ally uh, for our, for our black physician colleagues who often may deal with some stress or some, some un, un, ongoing challenges, which we can't even see. So what, what are some things we can do to be better allies?
1: You, well, we have um, a great team that works with our equity, diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And I I really feel that just seeing each other as peers, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, just understanding that there's not a lot that really divides us. You know, when it comes down to it, we all went into our respective careers for similar reasons. We wanna take care of our patients. We all have been successful at doing that because we put in the hard work. So I don't know if there's really as much contrast as there is diversify your friend group, Mm -hmm. diversify your peer group and get to know each other as individuals. And the partnerships can only get stronger from that and you can work better with your colleagues.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that may, reminds me, one of the best parts that, that I love about being a member of the Permanente Medical Groups is just the diversity we have amongst our physicians as well, too. And, you know, despite how people try to divide us, we have much more in common than we have uh, in difference as well, too. So that's a, that's a great and reminder. When,
1: yeah. When we walk into our um, hospital partner department meetings, it is very obvious who brings the diversity. is mm-hmm. Permanente because the room looks different until we enter. And when we enter the room as a diverse body of colleagues, then the knowledge that we bring, our personal experiences, the stories that we tell, our patient populations, it makes all the difference in the world when it comes down to health policy decisions, administrative decisions that happen in the hospital, and how we take care of our patients.
0: Yeah, and that, that's absolutely so so well said. And, and this might be a, a good time to actually bring up um, a really interesting um, initiative that's being done in the Northwest Permanente uh, Medical Group right now. They're actually creating a a, a center for, for Black uh, patients and Black physicians as well. And they're actually looking for a physician lead of that new center as well too, to really work and delve into some of these, these uh, EID issues as well too. So maybe a, a little bit of a plug for our Northwest Permanente uh, uh, colleagues out there. But th- there's so much work to be done here, both on a, an individual but also a systems level as well, and I really I'm so proud to be attacking this from from multiple different angles as well. Too, um, is there anything specific uh, that your EID program is doing there in in Atlanta in the um, Southeast Permanente Group that that you're particularly proud of or that's particularly you think kind of outside the box thinking?
1: Well, we are currently doing a lot of surveys. You know, we're asking questions and we're giving our um, Help our medical group partners the opportunity to put things at the forefront that, um, you know, may not have been top of mind for leaders. So things that are impactful in how we address, you know, issues that present themselves. You know, as we dealt with a lot of the social unrest that happened over the past year. Year or two, you know, it had a lot of people thinking, had a lot of conversations that um, may not have happened organically before. So those conversations are happening, so that members within our medical group feel that they can, you know, express themselves mm-hmm. or or seek out um, opportunities to. To, to identify problems and, and how they would like for them to be addressed, because many times you don't know if that if that converse if somebody doesn't feel comfortable having the conversation or elevating that do, that topic.
0: Yeah, psychological safety is so important. In creating that creating that culture where you can speak up, uh, be about you know, race, cultural issues, patient care issues as well, too, regardless of who the person is in the system. I think it's so important that we all we all feel comfortable and have a voice as well, too. So that's phenomenal to uh, to add that as well, too. Um, So, again, if any folks have any questions uh, on the Zoom right now, you can drop them in the the Q&A. We'll try and get to them as well, too. I want to I want to go back real quick, uh, uh, Fonda, to, to something you mentioned prior about about policy and, and, and health policy and kind of getting outside the, 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 the bubble of, of Permanente sometimes as well, too. Now, uh, first of all, congratulations. I, I understand you're uh, starting your term as the president of the Medical Association of Atlanta. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Thank so, you so much. So
0: tell us some about more about that role and, and those priorities and how your your work within Permanente and with the, the Medical Association of Atlanta kind of plays off one another as well.
1: So thank you for that. We have a large contingency of physicians that are actively involved in our local medical society. And again, we bring a wealth of diversity in practice styles so that our colleagues out in the community understand who we are, how we practice, and um dispel some of the myths that we are people who couldn't make it in the world of private practice. Well, no, we have a different practice style. We're able to take care of our patients and we are an integrated team that works works collectively to take care of our patient population. So as we approach different topics that happen, through the medical society, we bring a diversity in how we um, how we manage those things. So currently our legislators are in session. So we have doctors that uh, go down to the Capitol and do testimony towards how we can better care for our patients. You know, we have challenges with um. Uh, populations within our state that are underserved, like a lot of our nation, you know, we you don't have to go that far outside of Metro Atlanta to see the difference in access to care. So within Permanente, we take care of patients within Metro Atlanta and some of the perimeter parts of Atlanta. And we talk to legislators about who we are, what we do. And that brings about a better understanding of how we can, you know, be helpful as we look at opportunities to expand healthcare delivery around the state. So our physicians are really, really vocal about how important it is to provide care for Georgians. And we are out in the community and just demonstrating how important it is to provide that care.
0: Yeah, now now you're definitely speaking my language. Uh, wearing my health policy government relations hat, it's so important. We, you know. Uh, I, I elected officials sometimes have no idea what it actually means to practice medicine. And we really need to take our stories and advocate both, you know, individually, it's great to advocate for patients, but on a systems level and a state level, it's even more important as well too. Do you have any, do you have any physicians who are in the um, the Georgia legislature at this point? Do you know? Um, Cause we actually just elected uh, one of our own physicians to the uh, to Sacramento to, to the assembly here in California, which is just so exciting as well too. Um, I'm curious if that's similar in other parts of the country as well.
1: So physicians within our state legislature, yes, no permanent physicians as of yet. All right, we'll work on that. Yes, yes, there. That is another pipeline that I am I'm working diligently towards. But we do have a physicians caucus at the state legislature in Georgia. So we've got two senators, two rep, uh, representatives, and we work very closely with them because. Um, I think two are still practicing the members in the house and then the members in the Senate have retired. So, you know, it, they, they they come with different perspectives, but they have a good understanding about what it is that we're trying to accomplish. So they speak our language. We try to be a voice for them. We try to be a resource for them and um, you know, work, every day to bring more physicians to our legislative body to, um, you know, make sure that our, our members here in the state are taken care of.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have a question here in the chat. Actually, I want to switch gears a little bit. This is a, a really good question. What are what are two to three personality traits that we can all authentically and intentionally live and reflect to our members and their families, so that we can create a level of comfort as members of that same community, and we're not and when we're not part of that same community, but still feel connected as well. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. I hope I did the question justice. Um, so what are those what are those personality traits or things that we can really kind of reflect and live ourselves?
1: So first. I think we all need to work on being good listeners. You know, we're, there are opportunities where we sit there, we may hear what you're saying and we're looking for our opportunity to kind of jump in, but we're not necessarily processing, you know, what the, the actual needs of that family, that patient, you know, what that is. And the second thing is some ability to empathize, to understand that it may not always be easy. We have a textbook on how things should be done, but that may not always play out in the real world when you don't have access to transportation and you don't have access to healthy foods. So to just kind of empathize and be, you know, less judgmental, you know, sometimes clinicians can be a little judgmental if patients aren't, you know, doing, you know, they're not following their script, like you're following your textbook. So listening, adding some empathy, and just, I guess, overall, just kind of being open minded to who comes through your door. You know, you can be a little exhausted, we've got a lot of patients that we're trying to take care of but just meet every person where they are and be open-minded to what dialogue is in front of you at that time you know really be present with the person the conversation that's happening at the moment because we can all be sidetracked by a lot of the personal things that you're dealing with the last patient you just saw Lord knows that in basket sitting there waiting on you after (laughs) you finish 25 patients for the day. So, you know, the world is full of opportunities to distract you. And I think we need to really just kind of zoom in and focus on what's happening at the moment.
0: Yeah. Just, just be present and be in the state of flow with your patient. I love that. That's such a great message. Yeah. All right. Well, last question, and we could go on and on, but we're going to have to try to wrap up here. So last question, what makes you most proud to be a Permanente physician?
1: Oh, I will say I cannot imagine doing what I do outside of this venue, outside of our practice model. You know, I've worked in private practice before coming to Permanente, and, you know, there are challenges with both sides of medicine but here within permanente i am blessed with colleagues that i trust to maintain good continuity of care who are there to bring new fresh thoughts ideas around how we practice i've got established seasoned colleagues who will tell you that you know it, it feels hard now, but things will get better. I We have new hires that are here that, you know, are, are fresh and full of ideas that, um, you know, things that I haven't even thought of, you know, I've been practicing for 21 years. So, you know, things sometimes get a little stale. So, <laughs> so they bring, uh, you know, great ideas. And Wonderful. And having the, the specialist, so really it is the 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 wonderful population of physicians I get to work with, and I tell my patients every day, you don't have just me taking care of you; you got like six hundred of us. Right, and we're all here to make you better.
0: Wonderful, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise. We really we really value and appreciate your time.
1: Oh, thanks, Alex. It's great to be here. My pleasure.
0: The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and are not meant to represent the views of the Permanente Federation, the Permanente Medical groups, or Kaiser Permanente.